Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, and welcome to a special Angel City edition of Full Time. I'm Steph Young. I spoke with Angel City co-founder and owner Natalie Portman about why she wanted to make this documentary, the importance of storytelling and being the cool sports friend now. We're here with Natalie Portman, one of the co-owners of Angel City FC and one of the producers of a new HBO documentary. That's three episodes following Angel City's inception and first season. Natalie, thank you so much for joining us. Um, This is actually a small world moment for me. I don't know if you're going to remember this. My wife's childhood best friend um, adopted a dog from you named Polly from a program yes called cause for paws i think yes i used to foster dogs for them yeah oh she said she wanted you to know that polly made it to 15 years old so wow i'm so glad to hear that anyway um yeah but we also have something else to talk about here which is the soccer team that you own in the um, documentary that you helped create i just wanted to know you know, we love sports, not just for like technique and numbers and scores. We care about them because of how they make us feel. And, you know, as someone whose careers in storytelling, you know, how did it come about where you were thinking or, or you finally, you were understanding like, okay, um, we need to give the audience more narrative around this team. And that's really going to help with, you know, fans connecting, you know, and growing, growing this team. Absolutely. I think the story of how the team came to life uh, is is really unusual to get to see like how people start a team from scratch how it can go from an idea to a reality is super exciting and that's hopefully what the documentary will give people a peek into and then hopefully um you know the more people understand that kind of storytelling like you're saying it gives them the meaning and the mission behind the team and helps give the the you know, this incredible feeling that everyone has when they're at games can keep them really um, inspired, hopefully. Mm -hmm. And I noticed I ran into the crew a couple of times just because I was visiting Angel City for work or in London. I noticed a lot of women working there, you know, obviously with your production company. um, Was that like a very conscious decision of trying to like, you know, focus on on hiring a lot of women to help film a, a women's soccer team? Well, it was incredible to have um, the female gaze from the producers, from the director, and also so much of the crew, of course, um, because I think it's it's it helps us understand why seeing female athletes thrive is is so kind of um, uh, primal in in us. I think it it helps us like understand that connection of being able to see yourself represented and. an incredible athlete Mm -hmm. for yourself was 
the genesis of this idea at all influenced by kind of you see things like drive to survive or, or school of hard knocks and you think okay we need that the drive to survive era to enter women's soccer in the u.s or is it just kind of a natural function of you being someone who's told stories your whole life i think it's both i mean i think there's definitely of course an interest in raising the profile of the league and of the home teams because you know when the U.S. women play in the Women's World Cup or in the Olympics, it gets enormous ratings, enormous viewership, enormous fandom. And then we can see these stars all the time at home playing in the league. And yet the awareness is not where it could be. And certainly the advertising and the investment in it is not where it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's exciting to try and um, raise awareness around the existence and excellence of the league. Um, And then in addition, I mean, just like you said, as someone who's come from storytelling, I realized how unusual this story was. Like we haven't seen a female majority ownership group um, own, start a soccer team from scratch. It's like pretty, pretty wild um, ride. So it's, um, I, I, also saw the potential just as pure storytelling. Mm-hmm. In the documentary in episode one, in like the first 15 minutes, you and Julie Ehrman and Karen Nortman talk about how it felt like you got 99 no's before you got your hundredth yes. And just as you were talking about the experience and wanting to tell that story, is there anything that you learned through that period where if you were gonna go through the same experience now, where you're like, I might do things differently or I learned something from that that I could apply to that Mm. situation? It's a great question. I mean, I think we're so lucky where we ended up that I'm I'm happy for that process. Um, But I think the surprise of it was that people could overlook greed and self-interest because of their bias, that they had this bias that it couldn't be popular. Um, And it, it overlooked all of the raw like data, like all of the information <laughs> about like, these women are already huge stars. Soccer is the most popular sport in the world. These women are the best players in the world and have huge fan bases. They've been begging for it in LA. LA is like a soccer mecca um, and, you know, has enormous like youth involvement and, um, and they just like couldn't wrap their heads around all of these kind of data points that were so clear that it was going to be a huge success for us. We had so much belief in it. Um, And so it was kind of befuddling every time we, we got to know and we're like, don't you see how, how like you should be self-interested in this as a, as a huge, um, Mm -hmm. you know, business opportunity. Mm-hmm. And to that point, and something you said earlier about how, of course, the World Cup and the Olympics are big drivers, but then in between, who's covering the sport, who's getting the attention? In episode three, I think it was, there's a conversation you have with the commissioner, Jessica Berman, where you're flat out telling her it's really hard to find games to watch right now. You know, the the consistency is kind of like a little bit all over the place. This is a, a talking point that I know you're aware that has been going on for like 10 years now. Yeah, I'm just wondering, particularly for you as someone who works in and has seen what it takes to create good production value, you know, where are you now on that conversation? And then especially within the context of you're a team owner, you can influence that conversation. No, absolutely. Um, and it's something we're 
pushing um, on the league side for because broadcasting is such a big deal for making sure you know fans have access to watching all the games and can be be super fans where they can watch everything um, at home uh, and and follow all the games easily without you know struggle and and consistently. Um, so it's I think that's going to be the next real um, you know step in in the progression of the league is getting that broadcasting deal right. Mm-hmm. That was one of the talking points that kind of came through as a thread, even though it was only three episodes. Obviously, it's a lot to cover for like a whole season, starting a whole team. And it, honestly, it could have been three times as many episodes, it felt <laughs> yeah. like. Um, but for you, I don't know if you've seen it yet with the the screeners, but just for you, I guess, getting to see how the sausage made the inside of the team owner, what narratives in particular felt compelling to you that you just saw and were like, we got to draw this out. We got to we got to put this on the screen. Uh, well, I think a lot of the players' narratives are really moving, um, you know, to see Paige Nielsen's um, experience. Uh, I think her talking about, you know, she was at a great college and had this huge opportunity for job after, like, salary, a non-soccer job, like a, a banking job. And she chose to play soccer for $5,000 a year um, when she got out of college. Um, to hear that kind of, to understand the kind of economics of where the sport is right now and how much potential these women have and how they're not being valued as they deserve. I thought that was really important um, mm-hmm. to see. I see Abby Wambach's story as such. I mean, she really served as an inspiration for the genesis of the team in the first place. And we're so lucky to have her as a co-owner as well. Um, and her story of being an icon, um, a legendary athlete, and then retiring into complete financial instability, again, is just more um, more maddening of how unequal the situation is for male and female virtuosic athletes and why we need to keep pushing like this to mm-hmm. to get them valued as they deserve. Mm-hmm. Speaking of individual athletes, there is one part where you say that you're obsessed with Jasmine Spencer. Um, yes. I spoke to Jasmine yesterday and oh, I mentioned amazing. that to her and she said the obsession is mutual. So, oh. Well, she's, she's just incredible. And I mean, we're so lucky to have so many incredible players and she's um, right in front of that, that incredible group. And she's back after an injury. So we're, we're super excited to keep Mm -hmm. seeing her play. Do you feel, obviously you helped create this documentary and you put your name on it, you know, brought in Mountain A and everything, but do you feel a responsibility in this space as someone who's been outspoken about, you know, uh, women's rights and pay equity and now becoming a team owner to influence this space because we've seen it has such ripple effects that go beyond women's sports, like the, you know, the women's national team, their, their equal pay fight. And so you see like, Oh, if I do something here, this might have repercussions beyond just angel city and my soccer club. Do you feel that? Well, you hope so. I mean, part of also documenting the way we started the team, because it's like a startup structure versus a more usual, like, 
rich person comes in and just buys a team, um, we hope that we are sharing the playbook of what we did and sharing the successes we've had, the mistakes we've made, all of it that people can learn from and that it um, does spread some of the strategy for sure um, mm -hmm. and mission. Um, and of course you have no idea like what the ripple effects will be. Um, but yeah, you hope that just as like Abby sharing her experience inspired us to do this, hopefully us sharing our experience can inspire someone else to do something crazy and um, and maybe um you know wilds that like like we did i mean i think we've seen it with angel city you know sports and wall street journal and about valuation julie's out here saying i think we're going to be the first women's team with a one billion dollar valuation on the streets and and then all of a sudden franchise i mean ex the uh the expansion fees into the seller literally tenfold what they were three years ago it does yeah. feel like that's like a knock on, like you can connect A to B to C there. So, yeah, you know. I hope that, you know, we're creating proof of concept that, you know, what we were pitching is coming to be real and reality. So, you know, it's not just hypothetical anymore. We can show mm -hmm. people the numbers and have evidence that way for, yeah, mm -hmm. people to, to want to get in on it too. Mm -hmm. And then for, you know, Obviously, it was only three episodes. Like I said, it felt like for the, all the things that happened in season one, it really felt like it could have been a nine episode order. Is that something yeah. that you're interested in trying to like tell a few more stories, like not to give anything away if that is a discussion, but just like a season two, I was talking to Arlene earlier and she's like, yeah, we have like 90 plus hours of footage, have to cut it to three. Yeah, it's it's um, it's really an incredible challenge that Arlene, um, you know, faced in order to like whittle it down to this storytelling, which is so, um, you know, really is so like makes your heart pound of like what's going to happen um, because it is, it is a lot of material in a, in a short space of time. Um, and yeah, I, I think there's, there's ambitions to keep telling stories around the team and around the league. And I can't say what form that will take yet, but um, for now, it's, it feels like definitely something we're interested in. Mm -hmm. So anything that popped out at you as you kind of entered this world and learned all the ropes and got to know the the narratives and the storylines that was not related to Angel City in particular, but just that you learned that you're like, oh, this is another thread. Hopefully maybe one day I could tug on or I hope somebody goes there. Like this is really interesting to uh, me that I hadn't known before. Um, that doesn't have to do with Angel City. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the interesting thing to me when talking about pay equity is like, I think the typical thing is, that people use is looking at the same job and saying what a woman gets paid and what a man gets paid. But I've learned more about job gender segregation where whole jobs are primarily female and those like, like teachers or nurses or care workers um, and those jobs just as a whole are very poorly paid relative to majority male jobs. And so that's hard because maybe within that category, female teachers might get paid more than male teachers, but 
so they'll give that as like a counterexample, but the whole category, because it's like a female job is less valued in our society. And so that's something just interesting for me to explore that I, mm. you know, learned about when kind of entering the pay equity conversation. Yeah, when I started covering women's soccer, I didn't think I expected to become like a labor law, like not expert, but just someone who was gonna have to know about that, but. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's actually, um, Simone Charlie says it in the docu-series um, about how, you know, she'd love to just be able to be a soccer player. But mm -hmm. right now we're at a moment in history where all of these players have to be, um, you know, have like mission and purpose of representing women as part of their, and being able to speak eloquently. Like all of them are so eloquent mm -hmm. on the topics of, um, you know, gender and sports and pay equity. Um, mm -hmm. And and it's like a second a secondary requirement to being a star female athlete right now is also being able to talk about all those issues where, you know, male athletes can just focus on <laughs> playing the sport well. They don't have to be like fighting for their lives. Right. They don't have to bring babies to camp and arrange for childcare <laughs> because their partners are at home taking care of the child. Yeah. Right. Um, fight for a living wage. <laughs> Right, exactly. Get healthcare, yeah. all the good stuff. Um, you mentioned something earlier, which was about, um, well, I'm particularly interested in talking to people who come into this space who haven't necessarily been here for like 10, 15 years, because I think a lot of people who have been working in clubs since WPS, which is, you know, 2009 era or WUSA 2001, they do come in with a little bit of baggage and they've trained themselves to have certain expectations or maybe not to expect too much. You, can, It's natural, right? These two leagues failed. And so you start a third one, maybe you're naturally a bit cautious. So I'm always interested to talk to people who kind of come in who haven't come from those eras, who don't have those expectations. And I'm just wondering if there's anything that you came in and you saw, like you mentioned earlier, people just ignoring the data out of previously held bias. But on the flip side, is there anything you saw where people were like not taking advantage of an opportunity that seemed so clear to you, even though you know they were primed to want to succeed in this space? Yeah, I mean, I think just demanding the right conditions for the players, demanding the right um, conditions for all the deals, um, you know, the sponsorships, the the broadcast rights. I mean, like these women deserve to be on the biggest stage possible and have the audience to, to do that. Um, so I think that that was surprising to me that it wasn't as um, it wasn't as demanded, and I think that the new leadership, the new commissioner for the league, is really and and this kind of of course cleaning up after the this report, this um, Gates report about the abuses in the league. That it's a real moment for introspection, growth and um, real like fervent belief in, in the possibilities that the league has.
Mm -hmm. It is interesting to see how the Yates report really was another one of those things that had a huge ripple effect where it's like, again, I didn't know I was going to have to learn so much about like discrimination law and, and things like that or how an investigation is run and this sort of thing. But it really kind of went beyond soccer. It's unfortunate that it had to be, you know, come out of so much pain, but it kind of was amazing to see the response that's happened over the last, what, year and a half plus. So I honestly found that to be really encouraging. Yeah. I mean, the courage and the resilience of these women to come forward and be playing professional sports at the highest level while also enduring real um, toxic behavior and environment, and then having the courage and the resilience and the strength to speak out against it and be public about it and fight for the change. I mean, that's why these women are clear heroes and um, also why they're going to win at everything. You know, I mean, I think it's like they're, they're paving the way for this league to be as successful mm -hmm. and, um, and as ethical as it should be. Mm -hmm. And then just to kind of start wrapping us up, um, I'm just wondering what your hopes are for this documentary in particular with Angel City, you know, what you hope might be one of the knock-on effects of having this doc out there, because it seems like it's meant for a fairly broad audience, while at the same time trying to capture the interest of a little bit more like insider knowledge fans, which is a tough thing to do, to, to be different right. things to different people. But I'm just wondering for you, you know, especially given you've got three episodes, um, you got to capture that interest. Uh, what, what do you hope is going to be maybe one of the knock-on effects, the downstream effects of having this out there? Well, I hope that, um, you know, for, for it will familiarize people with the um, players in a way that gets them excited, knowing who they are, getting to know them as, you know, star, the stars they are and the fascinating humans they are, um, will get them even more excited about, you know, watching the games. Um, and then also, like we talked about, kind of sharing the playbook that we're figuring out as we go, you know, as um, I think Julie says, we're, we're flying the plane while building it, um, that, um, you know, sharing that playbook also can help other um, people, you know, figure out how to start their own teams, how to boost women's sports, um, you know, even if they're not billionaires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um do you, I mean, is this uh, something that you're going to show to your friends and be like, this is what's been occupying. This is why I'm on so many Zoom calls all the time with so many people. So now you understand the stress. It's funny. It's I, I've had so many, um, I've had family members who watched it and were like, I didn't realize that you, that's what you were doing, you know, that they just kind of thought I had been approached and just put my name in it or something. And that it wasn't like actually something that I had um, really put my sweat into. Mm -hmm. Are you with your friends now? Are you like kind of more their cool sports friend, their cool like sports team owner friend? Or like, are you talking, telling them like, Hey, you guys should come to a game. This player's really cool. I definitely um, I love And it's such a privilege to get to like go to the games and like, you know, have our have our seats really right up close to the players and 
you know, my, my kids definitely get into it, um, get into asking their friends. And for me, yeah, asking my friends too is so fun. Have any of your friends ever bothered you? Like, hey, can you like hook me up? <laughs> Um, yeah. Oh, definitely. I okay. definitely, because, because I have season tickets and I'm often like working yeah. out of town. I definitely am sending my friends all the time. Okay. Well, um, just very last question then. I know we talked about what you hope people take out of this doc, but is there anything else in particular that you would want out there, the, a lens through which you hope people view this documentary or just something that you hope that they take away from it that, maybe wasn't a consideration for them before? Well, I hope, I think we take it so for granted that everyone can enjoy male athletes. And I think that um, female athletes, it's often positioned as like, so great for like young girls to look up to. And it's like, no, it's for everyone also. Um, you know, I think athletic greatness is something that all of us can be inspired by no matter what the gender of the person is. So um, I, I hope that, you know, it's that, and it's not just like, this is just for little girls, which it is for little girls, but it's also for all kids. Right. There's a great quote from Kristen Press at the top where she's like, we're not doing this just so your daughter can have a role model. Right. And I was like, that's the vibe. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time, Natalie. I really thank appreciate so this. The doc, like I said, I really wish the doc had been like literally three times as long. There was so oh, much in there. I appreciate so. that. Thank you.